Bonjour, I am Estelle, your host, and this is Wildlife Conservation Insights, the podcast dedicated to the connections between wildlife and human being. You want to know more about wildlife, about what's going on, why some species are getting endangered, what are the challenges our world is facing? You want to meet people that dedicate their life to save animal species? You want to be proactive and also participate in species conservation? This podcast is for you. Welcome to Wildlife Conservation Insights and Happy New Year 2022. This is episode 9, our first episode of the year. I've been very busy these past few months and I am very, very happy to be back to share this new episode with you. Today, my guest is a very talented veterinarian, Dr. Frederica Pauline. Today, we discussed about her PhD focused on welfare improvement during rhino translocation. We talk about the importance of getting out of your comfort zone. Dr. Pauline shared a recent experience at the IUCN Global Youth Summit and shared with us the fact that we are the last generation that create a more sustainable future for all. We cannot afford not to talk about climate change. Finally, we share the need to work together to make a positive change and the importance of transgenerational interactions. So let's talk a little bit about our guest now. Fiju holds a veterinary degree from the University of Veterinary Medicine Vienna in Austria, a master's degree in wildlife ecology and wildlife management from Boku, Vienna, and a PhD from the University of Pretoria in South Africa. Additionally, she completed a conservation medicine internship at the Belize Wildlife and a Referral Clinic, a residency with the European College of Veterinary Anesthesia and Analgesia, and worked in mixed and small animal practice for two years. Fidu is currently working as a wildlife veterinarian and scientist at the Research Institute of Wildlife Ecology of the VetMedUni Vienna in Austria. She is responsible for a variety of veterinary, clinical, and research-related tasks, supervising and lecturing students, and working with large carnivores, wild ungulates, small hibernators, and birds. She's particularly interested in wildlife anesthesia, wildlife management, and stress physiology. Her current research focus is on improving animal welfare during rhinoceros translocations. Without further ado, it is my great pleasure to welcome my guest, Dr. Fidu. Hi, Fidu. How are you doing? Hi, I'm very well. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I'm extremely excited to have you as my guest tonight. Yes, because it's night in France right now. It's dark. It's really cold. It's winter time. It's almost Christmas time, actually. So which part of the world are you in currently? 
I am in Vienna in Austria right now and it's just the same. It's dark outside. It's really, really cold. <laughs> I'm wearing two jerseys and sitting next oh to the heater. <laughs> I can even imagine that it should be really beautiful, no? Vienna, like Christmas time, it's all, there are many lights and things like that, no? Yeah, it is beautiful and luckily we have some snow, so there is um, skiing and oh, I'm actually looking forward for the Christmas holidays. <laughs> uh, that's wonderful. So it's really, yeah. You're here tonight to talk a little bit about yourself and the work you were involved or you're still involved in. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved into the current field that you're working in? It's actually an interesting story. So I've always, always, always wanted to be a vet and I always loved animals. So there was never anything else really. Um, but when I started vet school, I got lost a bit in uh, domestic animals and wanted to be a equine orthopedic surgeon. <laughs> and then, well, there were a couple of things that happened towards the end of vet school. So one of them was that my mom actually passed away and it was like a super tough time because, um, yeah, she had cancer and it uh, yeah, was a process. And this situation made me realize that the work I want to do, like I want purpose in the work I want yes. to do. Her point was that just a year after she passed away, I went on a study trip to South Africa. It's a mm -hmm. symposium for students from students that is called um, Simco. And I learned about rhino poaching and some conservation challenges that's, that's been going on. And I was really, really touched and also inspired by these issues. And I realized that um, that is actually something that I really, really want to do. You found so your purpose. <laughs> I did find my purpose, yes. So I came back um, from South Africa and yeah, the question was, how am I going to do that? <laughs> so I was lucky. I got an internship uh, in conservation medicine in Belize. It's a small country in Central America. I didn't even know where the country was when I applied for it. <laughs> um, so that's crazy. From South Africa, then you went to Belize. Yeah, so I did my internship there. But after my internship, I came back to Vienna because I've yeah, I've got my horses here. My boyfriend, which is now my husband, was in Vienna. And Congratulations! Kind of, <laughs> yeah, so it was kind of my, my basis, even that's not where I'm from, but it was sort of my basis. Um, so I went back to Vienna and uh, started working as a vet because I figured I need more experience to um, you know be better and more confident with my skills. So I worked in mixed animal practice for one year and then in a small animal clinic. But at the same time, I wanted to improve um, the wildlife side of me. And I did a yes. uh, master's in wildlife ecology and wildlife management at the same time. And yeah, and then one opportunity led to the other. I, I managed to, so I, got, I had great supervision and mentorship during my master thesis. I managed to, where I actually ended up my, meeting my PhD supervisor. And um, yeah, I was allowed to yeah, work with some very awesome data, managed to publish a paper and got my name a bit known in the scientific world. So that was very, I was very lucky. And yeah, from then on, I got the opportunity to go to South Africa to do a PhD with the University of Pretoria. How That's long was it for? It was three years. Um, yeah, I went to, it was on... Um, translocation stress in rhinos, basically. I can tell you a bit more about that later. 
and uh, and as I was in South Africa, I got the opportunity to um, combine my PhD with a residency in veterinary anesthesia and analgesia. So I ended up doing that at the same time, uh, which was amazing. So I was really lucky. So yeah, I learned... you were really busy, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I was. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I got the the best of both worlds. So I learned a lot about um, you know yeah. clinical veterinary medicine and also um, the scientific work that's needed to do. And I feel like with wild animals, every time you want to work with them, they need anesthesia. So it was very important to me to be very good at what I'm doing, or at least yes. um, learn the most I can. And that's why I wanted to do this residency. So I was really lucky. Um, yeah, and then after my PhD, I finished in 2020. So I'm I'm the little baby here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, That's a big piece. Yeah, I'm the little baby here in your show. I feel like <laughs> all other pictures <laughs> were like, um, yeah, very well known names in the wildlife uh, medicine community, and I'm the little baby. So I'm really honored actually to be here. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Hey, that's wonderful, you know, that's, so you're the next generation, so that's <laughs> awesome. I hope yeah. so. Yeah, then um, immediately after my PhD, I got a job with the Wildlife Medicine Working Group um, here at the VetMed Uni Vienna. And yeah, since then I've been here. And my job now actually is very amazing too. I get to teach students, I get to work in a variety of research projects and uh, do the immobilizations of the wild animals, what I always wanted to do. I get to continue my own research project. Yeah, that's awesome. So it's that's really neat. Yeah, it's so really a continuation fun. of what you started working with one species, now you're actually expanding that. So that's awesome. Yeah, I'm learning a lot. Also, um, the different climate zone. Yes. <laughs> because previously, um, yeah, the anesthesias we did were in South Africa. It was really hot. And now I'm here in Austria in the winter. And yes, <laughs> getting back to really winter cold. time and yeah. cold. Absolutely. <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit about uh, rhinoceros translocation? So what can you explain us what you were doing and what you were looking for? Yeah, so um, I think most of the listeners of this show know that there is a big rhino poaching crisis going on already for a few years. And one of the methods that's um, been done to, to manage that crisis and to manage rhino populations is um, to translocate them to safer areas. I think Dr. Hofmeier has talked about this quite a lot in the first episode. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. That's nice. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was one of my field supervisors. So really fortunate to have worked yeah, with him. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so, so, but basically my role in these translocations was to check the animal's health and welfare. So I collected blood samples at the beginning of transport, at the end of transport. Um, some translocations were really long, about 40 hours, to find out how the animals were doing with the aim to improve the outcome of translocations. Mm -hmm. I mean, many times... That's a big task. That's really big. I don't know, people, if you realize how crazy <laughs> these, these projects are. <laughs> Yeah, many times after translocations, animals will get sick. Um, sometimes they will even die. It doesn't even happen directly. Sometimes it's a week after, two weeks later. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was really important to dig deeper and find out what's going on. And in the second part of the study, we actually already tried to see the effect of different tranquilizers um, during translocations. It also fit in very well with the 
um, and a theater yeah, residency. Yeah, part. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. And we looked we looked at two different drugs and yeah, tried to collect blood samples more frequently. So the project was actually really nice, and I think it's so important because when you look, I think it's when you look at um, the CITES database, you can see how the number of official officially reported translocations is actually increasing. And really nice. when you when you think globally, there are so many people in this world and the habitats are getting more and more fragmented. So there's much less genetic exchange between um, populations and transports and translocations become more and more important. Yeah, and you have to travel far and far, and far as well, uh, further and further than you used to, to actually find like a safe place for them. Absolutely. And I think the rhino is a very nice species to do this work because you can collect blood samples as they are standing in the transport crate. I think that might be the biggest issue with most other animals. Um, so I think the results from my study can be applied to other species as well, maybe. But I think there's so much more research needed. There's, I mean, based on what I've read, on some translocations, there's a mortality rate up to 50 percent, mm -hmm. and not directly, but you know, when you take into account the post-release period as well. And given that translocations are becoming more and more important, I think there's really need of a working group or a community actually that is really trying to um, do research and look more into that with the aim of coming up with specific guidelines and improving yes, absolutely. practices. And gathering different uh, experiences and skills, skill sets, uh, that's really important. As you said, like working with the wildlife vet and also anesthesiologists, and all the biologists that and rangers that are part of the project as well, like that's a lot of people involved in this in this huge pro like translocation of huge of mega vertebrates is a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I feel like the vets only play a minor role at the end. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, everything needs to be planned in advance, and there's so many things that need to be considered. You know, the communities, um, the safety measures, the habitats. There's so many, so many things. Diseases, transmissions, and so on. Yes. There's so many things. So that's really like you're mentioning actually a great point. This is not just about the animals, but this this is also all about the environment. So the environment you're taking the animal from, but also the new environment that the animal are going to live in. So you actually need to assess if the place is safe, but also if the, the environment are, is going to be suitable enough for the animal to live in. Yeah, absolutely. And most of the time there was a reason why animals would uh, got extinct in an area. So mm -hmm. obviously you need to find out what the reason was and address all the issues and try to improve those factors before you bring in animals again. Yes. Um, so it's, a, it's a huge amount of teamwork and long-term effort, actually. Did you work a little bit with the local communities as well? Unfortunately, with my project, I wasn't directly involved. It, I, I was only looking at the veterinary part, but that's the nice thing about uh, the teamwork because mm -hmm. other members of my team obviously were. Yes. So in the big, so it was not me directly, but people that were much more qualified actually to do that work. Mm -hmm. So that's also one point I think that's important that you cannot do everything. That's yes. why teamwork yeah. is so important and also have to have people of different backgrounds in one team um, to work together and pull on one string basically mm. together. 
Yes, I really like that. That yes, I really like what you just said. That you have to realize that you cannot do everything by yourself. You're actually one piece of a big puzzle to be able to participate to a species conservation. That's really great. I love it. Yes. <laughs> so, well, now my next question is going to be a little bit obvious, but maybe you can expand a little bit on that. How do you think that your action participate to rhino conservation? I feel like it's a very interesting question. And, <laughs> and I actually talk about this a lot with um, my husband, who has sometimes yes. quite a nihilistic view. And um, you know, there's many points yeah. of which you can argue. Um, but I think... I mean, there's on one hand, there's the research part. So I really try to direct my research towards um, helping others doing that work. And with the aim of maybe one day when I have enough <laughs> data or when there's more people working on uh, similar research to get more guidelines um, going. But then I also feel like, as you already said, that work with people and other generations is so important. So, for example, what I started doing is in my home community in Italy. I started um, doing lectures. <laughs> lecturing That's great. Just, I love it. Just, just to, uh, to the public and tell them a bit about, you know, conservation issues and a lot about poaching and illegal trafficking. And, and then I also started going to schools <laughs> and yes. do little workshops. We are really spreading out knowledge and education and awareness to new generation. That's wonderful. I love it. And, and I feel like there was... So there was one girl I, who contacted me after I did one of those workshops at her school. And she asked me if she, if she could do a little interview with me because she's doing this, this homework and she wants to work in conservation too. And uh, those, I found that very, very cute. Um, so I did that interview. It was actually one of the best interviews. She had really good questions. <laughs> and a few months later, she actually sent me a little book with the homework she did and that was so touched I was like I feel like you I made like a difference with, yeah with everything I did that was that was maybe the most uh, the biggest difference yeah <laughs> yeah you actually yeah you raised awareness and you actually trigger a new vocation you know maybe she will work in this field and she will yeah, so little step by little step. Yeah, and I also think now um, with my university position, I have the opportunity to speak to and supervise students. So mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to, you know, not only talk about, you know, the anesthesia, the drugs and all the... So yes. I'll try to, to give a bigger context. I think the rhino crisis is absolutely related to everything that's going on globally, to the corruption, to the politics in the countries, to illegal wildlife trafficking, to what's going on yeah, in the economy. Yeah, it's such a complex like issue. Yeah. Yes. So I'm trying to address the challenges in a more bigger picture mm -hmm. and and you know just talk about basic things as well that everyone should know or you know reduce your plastic use um mm -hmm. meat free days you know eat the seasonal local get interested in politics because politics actually <laughs> change but, a lot yeah <laughs> yeah exactly they made decisions so it's if you want to change things that's that's where you're going to have to influence yes I really like this discussion because us as veterinarians, we are starting to also understand that 
well, you're doing your job, you know a lot, but what you know and, and what you experience needs to get out there. You need to communicate, you need to raise awareness and vocations and that's how you're going to it's it's really little change you you even won't notice it but people that you're going to talk to you never know how that's going to impact them and that's how things are going to change actually that's what i believe in (laughs) yeah absolutely me too i think that's also one of the um no positive things <laughs> to find yes. the communities of people that are interested and um, talk about these issues because sometimes um, the world feels very overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so I think, and especially with wildlife conservation, it's not only a job for me, it's a passion. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's always there. So even when I'm on a, on a party on Saturday night, maybe before the pandemic, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I will I will talk about it. Yes, it it's part up. of yeah. you and it's in your heart. And I think, yeah, I think, you know, for doing what you're doing, you need to be passionate. There is no way otherwise. Yeah, it takes so much of your time and of your energy. It's really your passion. Yeah. So actually, well, I can see that you're passionate and um, you have such an impressive CV. Um, so what or who inspire you? Where do you get your energy from? So people that you invite on your podcast, <laughs> definitely. Uh, Thanks. No, it's true, definitely. I've listened to your uh, to the other episodes, and it's so amazing to hear um, the stories of all the people you've invited um, from, you know, stories also from people of different backgrounds. You had an artist, you have veterinary technicians, you have, you know, very well-known um, veterinarians in your podcast. So I think it's really, really um, inspiring to listen to them and and hear their stories and um, what keeps them going. So you're my guest today, so what <laughs> keeps you going? Yeah, so it, it is those conversations, but not only with people that directly work with animals. I feel like, you know, there's so many other points, like people from the fashion industry that will take care of reduce the plastic and use a sustainable clothing, things like that, or film industry and... I, th- I think it's so nice. I love it actually to go out of my bubble and um, interact or listen to people that are from com- doing completely something different. But at the end, like the bigger goal of conservation is the same. So I was part of the um, IUCN Global Youth Summit um, earlier this year. Um, I'm no, not sure. I, wa- I wasn't there. I could have. Yeah. Yes. But there were some sessions. I, I was there. I couldn't, yeah. Yeah, there were some sessions that were so inspiring. You know, even sport, like uh, surfers, for example, that mm-hmm. uh, look for cleaner oceans. And I actually love that interaction between sports and conservation because it always yes. brings in like a more active element. Yeah, and then on the other hand, sometimes even the negativity inspires me. Um, like I told you earlier that I went to South Africa and learned about what's going on to the rhinos. Yes. Um, I felt like... There's no time to waste. That we need yes. to. We, we, need we need to, to act. Do. So it pushes you to action. Yeah, I feel like there's yeah, no that's no choice. And there's there's one quote from the IUCN Global Youth Summit. Actually, I actually wrote it on my desk to to remember what people said. And I can't remember who said it, but it was it was like that we're the last generation that can actually create a more sustainable future for everyone. So we cannot um, afford to not talk about climate change. Oh, I love it. Can you you repeat it again, please? (laughs) 
Yeah, so well, we are the last generation that creates a more sustainable future for all. We cannot afford to not talk about climate change. Thank you. Thanks. I mean, I mean, obviously, the Global Youth Summit was very focused on climate change. And there is yes. um, other issues, too, um, as we heard also in the first episode from Marcus Hofmeier. <laughs> he talks yes. a lot about that. But I think it, it applies that time is running out and we really need to work together. Yeah, we need to work together. And there is, yeah, we don't have any time to waste. But also, we need to be positive and that believe that change is change can happen and and as i said little by little and anyway if we don't do it no one else will do it so that's that's also how i think you know if you don't initiate or if you don't work for what you believe in strongly no one will do it you know so um, no matter no no matter what will happen and still need to well get inspired but also inspire other around you yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, you know, I get inspired by you when I see like all the things that you have done, especially uh, for me that you made a big impact. You made an impact for me, just like, okay, I am one individual, but I'm sure you made an impact for many other people and all the students now that you're actually mentoring. So that's also what I love. Like you, you receive a mentorship from other people and now you're the mentor and you're teaching them. And that's really great. Yeah, and luckily so you're I passing still along have... your passion to others. <laughs> yeah, it's like luckily I still have very great mentors that actually also <laughs> keep on inspiring yeah. me on a daily basis. Yeah, so this is actually this intergenerational exchange that is happening that I really appreciate and I think it's so mm -hmm. important. So, okay, that's great. You're actually making transition for me. Thank you. <laughs> uh, my next question is then, which message would you deliver to the next generation of young people? Yeah, there is that one quote from Mahatma Gandhi that I actually put at the end of each of my lecture, which is, um, be the change you want to see in the world. And I think that that quote is very nice because you need to find your own hill you want to die on. You cannot do everything. Um, yes. I mean, obviously, there are several things you can do in your lifestyle, in your work, um, but you cannot do everything. Um, so, I mean, I chose the hill of wildlife anesthesia and, yes. and, and trying to improve that. Um, but, yeah, there's, there's many, many small things people can do. And, there's, and if you put a lot of energy into one thing, you cannot uh, put all your energy into a hundred of things. Yes, you, you need to focus on one yeah. thing. For me, that's really hard. You know, it's uh, I don't Same. know. Because <laughs> I, I like I don't know when you work with zoo species, you actually tend to, yeah, I wouldn't say get diluted, but you work with so many different taxa. You want to deal with all of them, and you love them all. And and yes, I think um, it's really important what you just said. Like you need to focus on one thing and to really work on that really well. To make yeah, it end, yeah. Yeah, I feel like that too, because then, um, you know, sometimes I get really upset about uh, wildlife trafficking. Yes. And yeah, and then I feel like, oh, maybe I should have studied justice or politics and gone more into legislation. And and then I feel like, yeah, maybe um, I should do another master's. And then, yeah, my anesthesia residency is almost uh, over. 
should I start a Zoovet residency now? To I feel like it's just, you know, it's just insane. There's so many things I'm interested in and uh, want to do and want to know, actually. It's more about the knowledge and the skills I want to have. Yes. <laughs> but you cannot have everything. You, you no, cannot do but it. I think also what you mentioned is really important because it's all about curiosity, about... Uh, yeah, being curious and wanting to know more and still learning. That's actually, you know, we work in a field where you're constantly learning. There are so many things we still don't know and we still want to know. And so one question, raise another one, which raise another one. It's like a handless, but it's, it's what keeps your brain really busy. But at the same time, having this curiosity, but being able to also focus on one specific thing is really important. So I really that, like, yeah, thank you yeah. for pointing that out. It's yeah, and that, brings, and that brings it back to um, just working together with people that have the skills and the knowledge that... Um, exactly. So that's why you're working with big teams, totally, to be able to gather all the different skill set. But also, for me, it's, it's, you know, it's like a crystal with all these different, like, faces. When, like, depending on how the light is, you can actually see different colors and different things and when you have a problem to solve out that's actually how how you can do it like the best because you're going to have one thought and someone else will will have another one and if you combine different mindsets you can actually get a get a good idea of what is going on yes great yeah, so I really hope that let's say the next generation of researchers, our generation, <laughs> yes, will um, <laughs> will will believe in that and facilitate a lot of collaborations and exchange and just you know take all the power we've got and move towards the same direction. I think that would be yes. great. Yes. Yes. Okay. So if you have like one last word to say, <laughs> it's really hard, huh? <laughs> <laughs> one last word to conclude like okay just one word what would it be i don't know i feel like inspiration maybe <laughs> yes okay that's right i love it inspiration so thank you so much Fidu, because that was a really really inspiring uh, chat with you and um yeah you know i have like i'm all excited now i want to <laughs> <laughs> I want this interview to spend our, to, to last hours, but thank you so much. We have to end up, unfortunately. And so thanks. Thanks for your time. Very valuable. So thank you so, so much. And uh, well, I wish you a great Christmas time as well to you and your family. Thank you. You too. And it was a huge honor to be on your show. And I wish you all the best. And yeah, Merry, Merry Christmas and enjoy your holidays. Yes, thank you so much. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening to Wildlife Conservation Insights Podcast. You can find more about myself and the show, including our guests, on estelvet.com. If you like it, please share it. Hit subscribe and leave us a review. Every other week, I will from now on present about wildlife health news around the world in the new show called What's Going On in the Wildlife Side. This show will still be part of the Wildlife Conservation Insights podcast as a bonus. Don't hesitate to reach out. Bye-bye.